Clayton. John Clayton. Hey, Mom, I'm done with my this is the Coors Light Cold Hard Facts with John Clayton. Brought to you by Coors Light. Made to chill. Time to talk some football with the professor, John Clayton, as we do every day at this time with Wyman and Bob on 710 ESPN Seattle. If you guys have questions for John, text him in right now, 421-3776. That's 421-ESPN. We'll try to get to some of your questions before we let him go for the day. Hello, John. Hello, guys. Did you have a good New Year's? It was uh, yeah, it was eventful. How about you? Well, Pat got home, so that made oh, it good. Oh, that's, that's a nice news. Yeah, after New a week Year's in the hospital, present. she made it home. So that's that's the best news because now she's home. <clears throat> did you guys deal. stay up until midnight, or did you crash before then? Uh, stayed up I mean, pretty much. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right, you you beat Dave. Dave went Let to bed. At, he was asleep by ten p.m. Well, yeah. see, I, normally I go to sleep at about eight, uh, eight or nine. Uh, because you know, Pat usually you know gets uh, the caregiver gets her in bed by you know seven 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 fifteen and all that stuff, and then uh, you know she pretty much relaxes and I try to see if I can get some sleep. Oh, wow, you right. get up early, probably right, Joe? You're an early riser. Well, I, I I just keep waking up. I mean, that's one of the things that uh, you know it's like it's been I've been doing that now for several years. It all started when I had to you know get up at you know two every day. Uh, to get pills to Pat, or to get water to Pat, so she can take some pills, you know, each day at 2 a.m. And so that's kind of destroyed my n- normal nightly sleep habits. Wow. Yeah. So you sleep in shifts. I've Pretty much. Yeah. 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 Sleep, sleep in shifts or don't sleep. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, one or the other. You, yeah. You know. One of the two. So, hey, John, how come the Seahawks didn't just play this way every week? Because uh, they weren't. <laughs> Well, because number one, they weren't obviously good enough this year, and number two, they weren't playing your uh, your fabled hard hard to play uh, Detroit Lions. <laughs> yeah, they weren't so hard to play in this game. No, although, no. Although I will say that the Seahawks gave up more points this weekend than they had since Week Three mm-hmm. against the Vikings, mm-hmm. which was interesting. But I mean, yeah, the, the the Lions did give teams a lot of trouble, but not. The, I mean, fifty plus points in this game. The offense looking, you know. Like they had a rhythm, like they were, they spread the ball all over the place. It was, you know, for a week. I understand terrible opponent. You should do that to them. But the Seahawks have not been a great team, so you don't go in expecting them to do that. It was a pleasant surprise. No, it really was, and I think you know you just heard Russell Wilson uh, talk about the fact that you know it was a complete game, and that's something they really haven't had until this game, a complete game. And as uh, you know, Pete Carroll said, they all had fun. You know, they all did all the right things. I mean, it, it was the perfect type of game because it was very good on offense. It was good on defense. And so uh, overall, that turned out to be a very good victory. And one, it gets some six wins. And even though it's a disappointing season, it gives them some optimism now for at least the beginning of the offseason and that because now there's a bunch of stuff you can take out of that game and be positive about it. Like what do you think, John? Uh, Rashad Penny. Yeah, I was going to say, you know, is that has that sold you? Do you think? Or? Yes. Yes. Okay. I mean, they've got to find a way to resign him at some point. Because- See, I'm I'm more on your side on and this Bob I think is on the other side of it, but I'm starting to kind of believe it. But yeah, t- 25 carries for 170 yards, and it just seems like more than anything, it's his. He's got a new attitude, John. Yeah, it really does. And, of course, I mean, obviously being coached up by Adrian Peterson has helped. And I think also the fact that really when you look at his last four or five games, I mean, he's been one of the best running backs in the league. 
I mean, certainly, you know, he's not at the Jonathan Taylor mode. But again, I mean, he's been one of the most productive backs. I mean, more productive than Dalvin Cook and, you know, Alvin Kamara, guys like that. So, I mean, I think he deserves credit. And, uh, you know, I'm very proud to say he's a neighbor. Uh, John, as far as, let me let me play the other side of yeah. that because I, I I certainly don't root against Penny. He's he's as likable as it gets. I mean, he's yeah. such a nice kid and and he's remarkably talented. His problem is just three and a half years of not being available. Mm-hmm. So now we look at it and go, okay, well he's had three out of four really good games, but he had them against dreadful defenses, dreadful teams whose seasons were done a long time ago in the Lions, the Texans, and the Bears, and he was held to thirty nine yards on eleven carries against the Rams. So I'm looking at it going, okay, I love that he's doing what he's doing. I love it. I'm rooting for him. But there is a little bit of a buyer's beware, you know, yeah. situation with him. It, what, what kind of commitment do you think he gets, whether it's the Seahawks or anybody else? Is well, it, it'll be a one-year deal without question because, again, you know, with the injury history and everything else, it's not like he's going to be in a position to get a multi-year deal. And by the way, I mean, the Bears' defense is actually good. I mean, that was one that, uh, you know, he got yards against a very good defense. And they weren't good against the run in terms of their stats coming in, though. Well, but again, they were good. They're still good. And, uh, you know, but you're right about Houston and you're right about Detroit and all that. But, uh, you know, the Bears defense does do some good things. And so that was okay. But I think, you know, overall, figuring out, I don't know what the price is going to be or anything of that nature. But again, it just takes the pressure off because now, I mean, if you go into the draft, you don't have a first round pick, your your second round pick, as high as it might be and as high as it will be, you either has to be an offensive tackle or a running back. And I think right now it would serve the team better if you can keep Penny at running back and then take an offensive tackle or an offensive lineman so that uh, you can start to uh, fill up that offensive line. Hey, you brought up Adrian Peterson. Everybody's bringing that up as this hugely impactful move, and maybe it was, but, you know, Dave touched on it saying, man, that's, you know, he's there less than a week, and Mm -hmm. all of a sudden it's a new version of Penny, and did, I mean, was there some magic elixir or potion that he gave him that that nobody else thought to say to him and thought to bring to his attention, and that whole, just this level of impact and the attention it's getting seems pretty out there for the amount of time that Adrian's been there, which is very little. Yeah, but of course, I mean, that's the big thing is that, uh, you know, if you're Rashad Penny and uh, you know that uh, here's a Hall of Fame running back, one of the greatest who's ever played the game, and he's given you advice and you listen, and then not only do you listen, but you succeed by it, that's pretty good. And that's what I think that, uh, you know, he was able to help. And so even though, you know, Agent Peterson didn't do anything to help the running game, I think what he's done is help Rashad Penny, and he has been the running game. So they should hire him as the running back's coach going into next season, then? No, because he's not going to coach. <laughs> you don't think so? <laughs> he said no. I mean, he says he's not going to coach, and I believe him. I mean, again, coaching, you know, particularly for a player and you know, I don't know. If, I mean, Dave won't buy this, but it's like, uh, you know, most, <laughs> mo- you know, mo- most players, you know, take the position. It's like, okay, if I'm going to be a coach, the hours are long. Yeah. Uh, you're in a position where you're going to have to keep moving every couple years and all that stuff. And many just don't feel it's worth it. Some do. And Dan Campbell obviously did. And, uh, you know, but again, most of the guys, particularly the real good players, usually shy away from the coaching part of it because, again, you know, it can be real tough to be able to do, particularly with the hours and everything else. Yeah, you know, it's interesting, this this conversation, because I've said this, I don't know, I'm, I'm going to think of uh, the rest of the NFL, yeah. John, but as far as players, Ken Norton might be the best 
player, NFL player, who's coaching. Mm -hmm. Because, like you said, the really good ones, I mean, you've made a ton of money. Uh, it's typically uh, Campbell, who was kind of a journeyman. Um, Vrabel was – he was uh, like a pro bowler. I mean, yeah. Mike Vrabel. But uh, as far as football players go, I think Ken might be the best. Because, you know, just like you were saying, John, I mean, I remember leaving at – getting there at, you know, 6 early when I had to have treatment and then leaving at 6 o'clock at night because of treatment. And the lights in the coach's office were always on. So, you know, you know that those hours and then also the pay is not as good. I wonder if going forward we're going to see, you know, less and less players that, uh, you know, in the next 10, 12 years that are coaching because it's just such a grind. It is, but I think also you can see there's a little bit of an escalation in some of the guys who are in coaching, like Aaron Glenn. You know, he's in coaching now, and he was a real good player. And I think yeah. that you can see, you know, you've got a lot of guys – that uh, are trying to you know, establish themselves to a point, particularly on defense, where you can come in, eventually be a position coach, and then see if you can be a guy that can go ahead and uh, get a coordinator job. Because that's something I think is so important, particularly getting a chance to be a coordinator. And certainly I think you're right about the fact of Ken Norton because he was on championship teams, Super Bowl yeah. teams, and he was just a real good player for just about anybody he played for. I thought the the one thing that made sense to me, though, John, I kind of talked myself into it because I've been kind of going, OK, what could, you know, Adrian Peterson possibly say to Rashad Penny to make him magically so much better? But Pete talked about today, somebody asked him about injury prone players, and he said mostly the guys that, you know, succeed in the NFL as far as injuries go are the ones that just learn how to play hurt you know, and so, you know, I wonder if that's maybe something that Adrian Peterson said to Rashad Penny, because, you know, some guys are like, oh, my hamstrings 90 percent. I can't yeah. go. But, you know, learning how to how to play hurt and just ignoring that is is a huge part of it. That, that might have been something he said to him, maybe. Could be. Yeah, could be. Because obviously, if you get advice from Adrian Peterson, you're going to take it to heart. And, uh, you know, now I think that, uh, you know, you find out uh, and, you know, I would hope that he keeps Adrian's number so that, you know, they can make phone calls back and forth and he can call Adrian and seek some advice because, I mean, you can see how well it's done. But, yeah, finding a way, and particularly for Rashad Penny, to get through the offseason, train as well as he can. Now, again, I don't know what kind of contract he can get. I can't guarantee that the Seahawks will try to resign him, but I think he's done well enough right now that they should. And then, of course, look at the impact of what it did to the offense. Because what it did to the offense, it allowed Russell Wilson just to be smooth, just to be into a tempo, just to be, you know, Russell Wilson and running around making the plays that he needs to make. And, uh, you know, I thought that that worked out well. It was also great that they were able to get DK Metcalf more involved, get the three touchdowns to him. So, I mean, this game on Sunday was sensational. Hey, John, uh, what, what did you make of what you saw to Cody Barton? You never want to see anybody get injured, yeah. especially Bobby Wagner. But I think anybody who was worrying about, oh, my goodness, what happens if Bobby's not on the field, had to feel pretty good about what you saw to Cody. Yeah, I think he did well. And I think that, uh, you know, I, I know Bobby talked about it last week. Not sure what's going to happen with him. Uh, you would hope 
from everything's standpoint that they would bring him back. But uh, you know, also you don't know that for sure. He obviously has the 17 plus or 16 plus million dollar salary, and that could be an issue. I would have to think he would consider taking a pay cut. But again, I think what you saw at Cody Barton was a good Cody Barton and a guy that, if necessary, can play the middle linebacker position if uh, Wagner is not here. But I'm thinking, John, if they do, because he's got to be frustrated, uh, Cody, that is, yeah. because, you know, that's really where he plays the best. He played for Jordan Brooks uh, last year in the Minnesota game, mm-hmm. and I, I can't remember. Oh, it was Miami, I think, um, in those two games. So he's only got four starts, and he feels like he can be a starter in the NFL. You know, if they bring Bobby back, then I wonder if they trade Cody or – you know, I, I don't. I just don't see him sitting behind Bobby, especially since Bobby takes a hundred percent of the snaps. Right. Right. So yeah, I think it's either one or the other for next year. Yeah, That's I don't know about a trade of Cody Barton because again, I think he's too valuable to trade, and I don't know what you're going to get in return for him. But I think the the yeah. big thing is that uh, you know he can play, and you know who knows what, how the system's going to go next year. I mean, one of the things you know for Cody was the fact that I mean he is the third linebacker. Okay, and if they use three linebackers, I mean, he's going to be out on the field. I mean, this year, you know, they're using more, you know, with the, uh, you know, with Ryan Neal coming in and playing safety and doing a good job there. I mean, they're playing more two linebacker sets, and that, you know, keeps Cody out with Wagner there. But now, you know, Cody will get a chance to play the last game because Wagner has the knee injury and is going to miss. Not a serious injury, one that would keep him out a couple weeks, but he's going to definitely miss this game. But I think overall, uh, you know, Cody is is a valuable player, and that's the thing right now because this team needs to add talent. It doesn't need to subtract talent. Well, and you're right. It's always disappointing to see what you get in return for a player like that. But um, as far as Bobby goes, has he had surgery, John? No, and he's not going to need it. No, no, I'm not talking about just this time. I'm saying in his career – I mean, because I don't think he's ever been seriously hurt. He hasn't missed a lot of games. Yeah. I know there there are some starts, but it seemed like it was a shoulder or whatever. But I, I that I'm aware of, I don't think he's ever had surgery. I don't you know? think so. But again, you know what he does every summer. I mean, you know, right before the start of the season, he gets that one procedure done on his knee, which isn't a surgery or anything else. It's just a procedure that uh, you know helps him out. And you know the name of it. I keep forgetting it, but it's like. Uh, you know, it's, it's, it's the Regenekine or yeah, whatever Yeah, the Regenekine, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's like, uh, but, you know, it's it's something that, uh, you know, he'll go through every year just to make sure that, uh, you know, in the summertime, right before the start of the season, that he's going to be able to function as well. 421-3776-421 ESPN, powered by Mac and Jack's Brewing Company, is the text number. If you guys have questions for John, we'll try to get to some of those here in a few minutes. But, you know, we've spent a lot of time talking about the futures of Bobby and mm-hmm. Russ and, and Quandre Diggs, who's a free agent. One guy that we uh, we talked to today, and we'll play that conversation tomorrow, is is DJ Reed. He's going to be a free agent. Yeah. What, what do you – I mean, he's he's their best cornerback right now. We'll see what Trey Brown turns into. Uh, but right now, that is the best corner on this team. So any any concerns that he's not going to come back or that he's going to price himself out? What do, you, what do you think it's going to take to bring him back? I don't know what the price is going to be, but, again, I think you're right. He's too valuable to uh, let get out of here because he is their best cornerback. I mean, you saw yesterday, even though he didn't have an interception coming into the game, you know, he had two, and he just does such a great job on coverage. He did it last year did it this year, and really, when you think about it, I mean, he was pretty much out there almost all alone, you know, and that 
puts a lot of pressure on a cornerback because, again, you know, people can try to attack him and do all those different things. But he held up really well, even though, again, you're looking at Tim Boyle at quarterback and, they, you know, they didn't have Jared Goff or anything of that nature. But I thought that, uh, you know, I think he's too valuable. And remember, I mean, they've got plenty of cap room. They've got $70 million of cap room. And so it's like, uh, you know, one, they need to re-sign guys. Two, they need to go ahead and make sure that uh, you know they were able to add players. So it's like they've got a lot of work to do, but fortunately for them, they have a lot of money to work with. Seems like Jake Curran played really well. I think they were they were happy with him, and you know I don't I don't know if to to read anything into that, but Brandon Shell is on a list. Bob sent uh, last night about yeah. um, you know guys that are their contracts are up. Uh, him, uh, Ethan Posick played really well too. So, yeah, it's kind of uh, interesting at right tackle. Brandon Shell, what would you say? I mean, I felt like it was definitely an upgrade last year from yeah. a Fetty, but he's kind of eh, sort of sideways, if not down a little bit this yeah, year. Yeah, I'd be surprised if he, he comes back, not because of him. I just think that, uh, you know, he's missed a whole bunch of games because of injuries and missed, some game, missed a game because of COVID-19 and everything else. So I think it's going to be real difficult to be able to, uh, you know, we bring him back and that's why you know i don't know uh what they're going to do with uh, Dwayne brown you hope they find a way to bring him back in some way but uh yeah i think still the best thing is if there's a way to resign posick a way to resign Dwayne brown i think it would help things and then of course they can still add either on the draft or in free agency or both to the offensive line give them more depth give them more quality all right, John, what's your take on Antonio Brown being very, very Antonio Brown? And I, we've never seen anything like that. No. And I, I've said that'll be the last time he's on an NFL field unless he runs on as a fan gone wild somewhere in the future. <laughs> well, and that's the thing, because, you know, we, when he uh, headed to the locker room without the shirt, you know, all the policemen back there thought he was just some fan that uh, didn't have a shirt. <laughs> and so they were almost going to arrest him, you know, for just kind of, you know, being being uh, doing that. But I, I thought he jumped out of the stands. Yeah, somebody just jumped out of the stands. But again, it's like I've never seen anything like that. I mean, I mean, he's done. He's yeah. done. No, oh. nobody's picking him up. Nobody, right? I, saw, nobody. I saw somebody on NFL Live today. Maybe it was Tannenbaum or yeah. somebody saying, "Hey, you know, with all these COVID situations, a team that needs a receiver going into the playoffs, I wouldn't be surprised." I'm uh, like, Are you out of your mind? I know. I mean, you can't trust him. How can you trust? Antonio Brown, you know, because, you know, uh, and, you know, think about the way his season has gone. He hasn't done anything this season. I mean, you know, he missed games with injuries. You know, he had the three-game suspension for having the vaccination cards illegally done. Then, of course, now he comes back and he rips off his uh, jersey, you know, rips off everything else, throws it into the stands, and then walks out. Who's, I mean, again, name me somebody who quit on their team. And again, that quitting that he did was one of the worst quitting jobs I've ever witnessed and anybody's ever witnessed. And you're just like, you're going to you're going to give him another chance. Do I'm we a- know? Sorry. Do we do we know exactly what set him off? I read some things that, you know, he was injured and yeah. Bruce Arians wanted him to go back in the game and he refused or I don't, I don't know what's true and what's not. Do you know much behind what prompted this whole thing? Uh, I mean, you know, I think that uh, well, he he was being benched, I think you know, for bad play and no play and all that different stuff. And, you know, he claimed he had an injury and that uh, was something that 
they had to kind of be concerned about and whatever it is. But it wasn't a serious injury because, I mean, you saw how he not only uh, walked off, he ran off the field, he was waving. Yeah, I mean, yeah he didn't like, limp. He didn't limp, that's for sure. And uh, yeah, it's like, and then, of course, you know, in, in the last, since being uh, let go, well, actually, technically, he wasn't even cut today. He's still on the roster, even though, you know, one, he didn't make the trip back because they wouldn't put him on the charter. I mean, so he had to, you know, fly back on his own somehow. And uh, that's that obviously isn't good. And uh, even even Tom Brady, uh, as good and nice things that they, he says about him, you know, he basically, uh, you know, didn't really endorse what ended up happening. But I think what happened is that, uh, you know, Antonio was in the process of being benched. You know, then he didn't like it, and then of course uh, they wanted him to still be able to do some things. But he, you know, basically said, "No, I don't want to do it," and just walked off and quit on the team. I think I think Tom Brady is trying to distance himself from the stench, uh-huh. is what he's doing right now. But uh, by the way, wasn't it good that the Seahawks did not sign him? Yes, yes. I don't care if he if he's you know caught twenty touchdown passes. I don't right. want the guy in this think, locker room. I think you two, Bob and and Clayton, were the uh, you were the co-founders of the we're not signing Antonio Brown yeah. club yeah, here in God. Seattle. But <laughs> yeah, well, and and. And there are people complaining about DK Metcalf's body language. Yeah. And after you see that, I mean, I, I thought the today Pete said something. I don't know if you listened to his press conference, but he said the one thing about uh, DK is that he's taking the whole thing on. Like he realizes, you know, uh, he got in some trouble and got some flags and stuff like that. But that he's having really open conversations about it. He's very open-minded. He'll talk about it. And, and really the way P- Pete put it, because a lot of times Pete, you know, paints everything with this positive, you know, uh, strokes and, and it, it makes everything seem okay. But, you know, it really is like it's your passion versus your being professional. And, you know, he's just trying to find his way. But I, yeah, especially now after seeing the Antonio Brown thing, I, I don't worry about DK Metcalf. Yeah. No, no, not not at all. And if you really think about the body language, I think there's something to it because I mean, I think you can see it. You know how disappointed he was for several weeks. But look at the body language yesterday, and look how good it was. Because again, he was genuinely excited with the uh, inclusion in the offense and the passing game, the three touchdowns. I mean, you can see how he would embrace, uh, you know, Russell Wilson, how he would embrace his teammates, all those different things. And so the body language improved as did DK Metcalf. John, good stuff. We'll do it again tomorrow. All right. Sounds good. Say hi to Pat. I will do that. Yeah. Yeah, Say hello from all of us. Okay. All right. If you missed any of today's cold, hard facts brought to you by Coors Light, made to chill, download the podcast at 710sports.com. Well, it's the moment you've been waiting for. Dave Wyman is beaming with pride today. <laughs> Stop. Well, He's going to get a restraining order against me. I know. We're going we're gonna to creep out uh, Cody Barton, who will be in our player spotlight, next with Wyman and Bob on 710 ESPN Seattle.